0: Listen, it's a blessing to be here with you. Uh, Am I good? Am I on here, Asa? Okay, good. I wanted to bring up a friend of mine. Um, We are uh, opening um, a new City Light Center. We've got four uh, in the world uh, as of today. One is in Tijuana, Mexico, where we have a City Light Center there. working alongside of another church. Uh, We set up a center to the uh, uh, area where the... uh, Um, uh, sex workers are uh, we're a few blocks from there I was just there last week and doing a great ministry there people are coming to Christ we're training women how to get out of that life uh, training them in skills uh, so that they can get job skills and be able to leave there Um, the second one is in uh, Corretro, Mexico. Uh, I don't pronounce it very well, but it's in uh, Corretro. And uh, if you remember, uh, Ariola was here last week, and she talked about the coffee shop we started there. She was our first missionary for City Light. And now that's turned into a church, and now they're trying to reach out more and more, and hopefully soon we'll have our own separate center. The third place is in New Delhi, India, and uh, we are growing there. It's very exciting. We've got a ministry to kids in the slums uh, for education, uh, for food, and, uh, and also the gospel. And, that's, uh, and then a church meets there. That's in the City Light Center there in India. And now they're going out to the street kids too. So about half the time they're out with the kids that are living on the street, bringing them. It's fun. We got some pictures last week, which I'll, I'll have Nate show you next week. But where they're teaching kids math literally... Street kids, uh, how, to, how to read, how to write, and giving them food and giving them the gospel. So that's going on in New Delhi. And now, uh, with our partner in the Central African Republic, uh, a brother uh, has come here from there, Cyrus uh, Madbondo, and he is now a missionary uh, with World Health. But he has had this uh, orphanage he started there in the Central African Republic, one of the top three poorest nations in the world, and uh, been a victim of of a long war, uh, really tough circumstances. But I asked Cyrus to come and just tell you about this new City Light Center we're gonna open in the Central African Republic. Okay, come on up, Cyrus.
1: Well, good morning, everybody. It's good to be with all of you brothers and sisters who are either watching online, but those of you who are here, it's an honor. Um, I'm originally from the Central African Republic, It's a country where my connection to the U.S. is that a medical missionary from the U.S. served in Africa. While she was there, an African mother gave birth and died. And so the baby was only two hours old, brought to the medical clinic that she was serving at. She took care of that baby as a malnutrition center in the hope of returning the child to the father. But she became attached to that baby and asked permission of the father who was still alive at the time and said, look, This is unusual. You brought this kid as a patient, and I've taken care of her, but I've become attached to her. So with your permission, can I adopt her? The father said, you became a mother to my child when my wife died. I'll be honored, but we'd like to have her keep in touch with her four older siblings who are still alive. They were asking about what has become of their baby sister, the one that mama delivered and then passed away. That's my wife, Julie, that I have married. Is this orphan cared by a Christ follower, May Allen, in Central Africa. My wife and I have been married by God's grace for 34 years. We have three children, the oldest Becky, middle child Michael, youngest is Irene. We moved to Virginia in 2008. Two months after my kids came to join me, our youngest daughter asked permission of me to go swim at her friend's house. Moments later, she drowned from a swimming pool accident. Had it not been for the word of God, I would have lost my mind. The truth of the matter, brothers and sisters, is I'm not the first, nor will I be the last father to outlive my children. Job was a man who one day, he was no a crook, minding his business. Ten children, seven sons and three daughters, killed simultaneously. He's the man that says those words in Job 121. The Lord gave, the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. So my wife, Julie, and I made the decision to establish a children's home in the country of our birth. Because the country was going through this war almost nine years. You see, just because a peacekeeping accord or agreement has been signed doesn't mean the war has ended in all the consequences. It has left trails of children whose parents have been killed during the war. And so the orphanage we established for our daughter is located in a capital city. That was the way God has used this ministry to help us. I have found a huge blessing. In helping these kids, I found that I was being healed. We share something in common. Kid, you didn't sign up for your parents to die, but you're in this mess. But God is going to use us with the support of our brothers and sisters to make sure you have access to education. Because God said he is the father to the fatherless, husband to the widows. And he uses us. That's why we say we're the hands and feet of Jesus. But because of this reality, we have a lot of children in Central African Republic who are living in deplorable condition. This is what this children's home in the capital city looks like. Irene's home of hope. And we'll show you a couple of pictures here. This is, if you were on the outside, that's what you will look at in the compound. And another picture is showing how the children that God is using for us to bless who are being cared for, they have education, they have a house mother, and they're taught the word of God. They get, a, they get access to the teachings of the word of God. We have a chaplain who's also the manager for the whole compound. And that's what happened when these kids are in that facility. But we're also keenly aware that outside of this little oasis, there are countless Children are street children and you're going to see a couple of pictures. So these are the ones that God is using to bless in Irene of hope. And we're grateful for that. But as I said, outside of that compound, there are children whose parents have been killed during this war. The African cultural practices that God forbid I get hit by a bus, my brothers and sisters will automatically absorb my children. They'll take care of those kids. You don't even need to put it in a living will. But the problem, though, is just because the cultural practice said that you can absorb those kids doesn't mean those relatives will have the resources to care for those kids. So now they have to scavenge trash can, be treated as mule to carry firewood or water, just to be able to have a roof over themselves. And I was made aware of this. So the decision was, should it be possible to extend that facility to bless these kids that you see? If we go to the next picture... Here's a girl, 10 years old, her name is Grace. They took this picture at 4 a.m. and they sent it to me. They said, Do you see this girl? She's 10 years old, it's the same age as my daughter Irene, the one that died. She's now on the street because when her mom died, her aunt, whose mother's sister was supposed to take care of her, but she's struggling to take care of her own kids. And so this kid is now on the street with all that comes with being on the streets and exposed to the element. A city Light Center is going to be an extension of the existing facility that you have. We already have a chaplain. The role of the chaplain, and there's a house mother, and we have water that has been provided in that compound. So when they bring these kids, they'll bathe them, clean them up. They will feed them. The outreach is an extension of that city life center to these street children in the Central African Republic. Food, the word of God, which is so important because they've been so traumatized with what has happened to them. Now, I want to conclude with the following. It is one thing for me to look at this and say, boy, isn't that a shame and just go home and eat dinner? Or I have to ask myself the uncomfortable question. What is supposed to be our role? A city light is like this monument, right? It's like a a distress when you look at the light. You come to it because it's allowing you to exit where you are. That's why Jesus, right in Nazareth on the Mount, Matthew 5.13, he said, you're the salt, you're the light, you're the city. And here's what he says in Matthew 5:16: Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify the Father in heaven. We would like a City Light Center to be an extension of a children's home that is going to go after these children who are street children through the chaplaincy role of this manager that we have to share the gospel. If they need shoes, we'll make sure they get shoes. But we also would like to make sure that they get education as well. Because without education, they will not have the social mobility, and it will be predictable they will end up in a life of crime. As it is, they're already struggling. So my dear brothers and sisters, the privilege of using our own pain with a facility that is only a building until the light of the gospel is now being preached in a way that blesses those kids. That's why Spurgeon said that if you want to give the gospel to a homeless, wrap it, in a gospel, wrap, the sand, wrap it in a sandwich. Conversely, if you want to give a sandwich to a friend, make sure that it is wrapped with the gospel. Everything about us is that Christ is magnified. So a city-like center in the Central African Republic, a former French colony, a country that is recovering from a war, is that street children are going to be exposed to the gospel in a meaningful way. But while we meet their physical felt needs, the gospel is going to be embedded in what we're going to do for them. And also extend some of the services of the orphanage to them, right? Going to school, if at all, we're able to reunite them with relatives so they get education and have a better life so that Christ is proclaimed to them very early. Thank you again, and may God bless you.
0: <clears throat> if, you're, if you're ever a preacher, don't follow that guy. Okay, just so you know, this is not a good idea. I told uh, Nate last night, I don't want to have Cyrus come. He's going to steal the whole thing. Um, he's just a great guy. Wonderful fellow. Let's pray together and ask the Lord to uh, guide us in our new work. Lord Jesus, thank you for Cyrus. Thank you for Julie. Um, and, and thank you for Irene Hope uh, Medmonda, who passed away. And yet in her name, we're bringing hope now to kids that are... Uh, in desperate need, Lord, guide us and, and lead us so that we would fulfill the mission you've given us, that we started as a church to bring light uh, to a dark uh, world, to dark places. And I pray, Lord Jesus, in the Central African Republic City Light, uh, the light will go on so that they see the light of the world and they find hope in you, Lord Jesus, just like Irene did. So we thank you, Lord. We pray that you'd guide us as we uh, talk together, as we open your word. In Jesus' name, Amen. Well, uh, most of you know that I used to be a policeman in Washington, D.C., and I spent uh, most of my years working narcotics. Now, we had uh, an undercover purchase that I was a sergeant in this one. One of my other guys that was working with me was going to buy some PCP from some criminals uh, down at 17th and Benning Road down at Hecadur Mall. And... uh, we were uh, in the cover team. I was the sergeant, so I was supervising the, the uh, arrests and everything. And we had the guys set up on one side of the parking lot. I'm there, but there was a Safeway right there. Now, uh, I know the drug dealers are always late, so I figured I had plenty of time. So I told the guys, hey, look, I'm going to go into Safeway because they had these great honey roasted peanuts and I knew I was gonna be sitting there I really like their honey roasted peanuts uh encourage you to try them and so I went in and I figured I'd get my peanuts and I'm standing in line uh waiting in line I'm two from paying for my peanuts so I can go out and one of the guys comes running in uh the safeway screaming Sarge you gotta come I said just a second the peanuts I'm almost there no 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 you gotta come now so I leave my peanuts I take off we go in the car and turn out what had happened was during the deal while I was inside, the bad guy had shown up, but he had decided to rob our officer. And so instead, they're wrestling over a gun, and one of the uh, heels had another carload of guys with guns, and they took off. So by the time I walk outside, we've got Uh, gun battle, we got guys wrestling we got another car load of bad guys being chased by the other officers and so I get in the car and uh, the guys start telling me so we take off, so we take off running we're going to follow these guys in the car we get up there and by this point they had wrecked their car, the bad guys had wrecked their car climbed out, still armed our guys had valiantly uh, caught them courageous, they got everybody locked up everything calm, everything stable the lieutenant arrives on the scene I'm the sergeant, he's the lieutenant he arrives on the scene, he looks at everything he asks questions, finds out, man, everything worked out great he walks up to me and he said, sergeant, this is what good leadership is (laughs) yeah, okay yeah, well, of course being the high uh, high, uh, uh, character person that I am I said, thanks, thanks, lieutenant Uh, listen, I got a reward for something I didn't even do I got a reward for something I didn't. In this world, isn't there a ton of that? The guys who deserve the reward were the guys who were in this thing who weren't buying peanuts. In the same way, uh, in this life, when we see reward, we see it going to all the wrong people. And often we think that those of us who are seeking the Lord and really after Him don't get to experience His reward at all. I wanted to bring you to Hebrews 11. We're in the middle of this series on faith. And I want you to see that even when you can't see it, God is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. In Hebrews chapter 11, verses 5 and 6, we learn about Enoch. And at the very end of this little few lines about Enoch, we get these words. That God, that anyone who comes to God must believe that he exists and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Now, if we break this down, I want you to see this very simply. Number one, he must believe that he exists, clearly, right? Now, I know that that sounds like a big step, but the truth is only 3 to 4% worldwide are atheists. So, in other words, 96% of humanity knows and believes there is some kind of God. They might believe a different one than you do. They might believe in all different definitions. But the point is, knowing that there's a God who exists is not the biggest thing. Matter of fact, it won't save you and it won't get your reward. Because he says here that he exists. Now, the problem with just believing he exists is we can create our own version of God. We've all been guilty of it, even in our Christian walk we do, but certainly as we hear from others what they interact or how they receive God, how they think of God, sometimes they think he's like a grandfather. Happy, kind... Uh, and that he doesn't care about immorality or all the other bad things people do because he's just this kind grandfather that just winks at sin and doesn't isn't bothered by anything. Another version of God that that people believe in is a God who is watching everything but is powerless to step in. He can't really solve the problems of the world, but he is he is watching over everything. Uh, the third one that I think Christians can really fall into is uh, we picture God as a mean or an angry God. A little bit disgusted with humanity. And disgusted with those of us who even know the word of God and yet don't live it the way we'd like. Or the way he has told us to. So we picture one of these three. But we would miss out on God if we didn't know that he rewards. If we didn't believe that he rewards. I'll give you an example. My wife is a great great Grammy, She's not a great Grammy. She's a great-grandmother. She's a great-grandmother, and she's a great-grandmother in this sense. She knows <clears throat> what kids want, and so we have 12 of these uh, criminals uh, we call grandchildren, and they're running around everywhere, and every time they come to her, she has this great snack bag. And this snack bag gets pulled out in the car. Man, when she goes to pick up uh, Graham, our our three-year-old, he likes likes, uh, apple juice, which he thinks is pickle juice. Don't ask me why, but he thinks it's pickle juice. So he waits for his pickle juice. She has that ready. I mean, she's there. She knows what these kids need, and she is there. To say that you know Grammy and not know that she rewards her grandchildren would say, you must not know Grammy. See, she does sometimes have to spank the little ones. Now and then she has to say, don't do this or don't do that. But that wouldn't understand her fully if you left out how much she rewards these grandchildren she loves. You see where I'm headed, right? If we have this picture of God, that God is only this God who deals with our sin, that he's only a God who warns us about danger and about uh, evil and so on. If we were to see that and say we believe in God, we would say you don't know God. How could you possibly say you know Jesus Christ and not know that he is kind? That he is one who would reward those who do right. That he is one who rewards them even who try. Listen to this. The word in the Greek language really means when he rewards. It means he perpetually, habitually he rewards. This is an ongoing action of his. And this is critical to your faith. It is critical to your faith. Let me show you just in the Sermon on the Mount how much Jesus talks about this. And you think throughout the Scriptures, Scripture after Scripture after Scripture, how He tells us what He rewards us for. I'm afraid that in our years of learning about God because of our sinful hearts, we hear only the warnings of God and we miss out on the rewards of God. But as He gives us warnings, it is for the point of Him trying to give us rewards. So here's what I mean, Matthew chapter 7. Well, let's go back to Matthew chapter 6. Three times we hear this line written, <clears throat> and, and, and the God who sees what is done in secret will reward openly. He uses the example of giving, he uses the example of praying, and he uses the example of fasting. Three different ways that we actually get rewarded for these three things. Now you say, Dale, that is rotten and terrible. You should not be doing those things for reward. And I would tell you, if you do those things, you do them for the reward, because we trust in a reward in God. It is because we're seeing Him as he fully is. How about in Matthew 7? He's explaining this principle again, and he's talking about fathers uh, in this world. He talks about earthly fathers. And when he talks about earthly fathers, he says, uh, "How many of you, uh, in this same sermon, he says, "How many of you, if your uh, son would ask for a fish, you'd give him a stone." So? I wouldn't do that. Uh, All the kids are coming over to my house later today. Would I lay out stones, or am I going to get them happy meals? Of course I'm going to get them happy meals. I'm going to take care of the kids, right? And you'd say, if you didn't, what kind of rotten father would you be? And then Jesus says this back to him, and he says it to you today. He says, if you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, you see where he's going? Wouldn't he treat you this? If this, if my wife is a rewarder of little children, why do we think that our father will not reward us. Remember what Paul said at the very end of his life. This is Paul the Apostle. I mean, he teaches us doctrine. He teaches us about justification. He teaches us about redemption. He teaches us about repentance. He teaches us the, gives us a fuller understanding of the gospel. Majestic writer. uh, Unbelievable doctrine that we learn from Paul. And yet at the end of his life, he says this. He says, Now I have fought the good fight. I have finished the course. Henceforth there is laid up for me A crown of righteousness, not just for me, but for all those that love His appearing. Wait a minute, Paul's getting ready to go to the guillotine. Paul's getting ready to get his head chopped off, and he's saying that that he did all of this, and it's waiting for him. What? A crown. See, this is the way the Bible is written. And by the way, I want you to notice this because I always read that wrong. I've meditated, I've thought on this verse, and I missed out on this. He said, "I fought the good fight." He didn't say, "I won every battle." I always thought Paul won every battle. He said, I fought the good fight. That's all we do. We fight the good fight, and henceforth there's laid up for us. Those who just love His appearing. There's all kinds of these in Scripture. Third thing we see is how do we get this reward, and it's for those who seek Him. Now, the Scriptures really mean here, and the Hebrew idea is diligently seeking God. Diligently seeking God. Really trying to get God, to want to know God. Understand this, that this idea that he's rewarded those who diligently seek him is as you seek him, you're to start with the assurance that by seeking God's will, it will result in good to himself, to the person seeking. Fascinating. You're actually not just allowed to, but you're required to come to God with that approach. And it is to believe him as he fully is. What an insult it is to God. What a, what a terrible hurt it would be to me if my daughters described me in a way that I don't reward good in our home. That I don't care when they do things right. That I'm not loving or I'm not kind. This would be missed totally if they only talked about the times that I warned them. So here we see this, this path to God. So you say, oh, the path must be terrible. To get the reward must be Impossible. And that it is. That it is. Except that he changed everything. He said, By faith, those who believe in my reward, they seek me diligently. They come after me. Under God's terms, they come after him, seek him diligently. Here's what I want to get you why that doesn't work for you. This does not work for you. Let me tell you why. Ever since you're a kid, trying is not enough. They have this uh, silly thing with little kids in sports, you know, they call it trophies for trying. You know, everybody tries, everybody gets a trophy. I know when my daughters were in third grade and they were on the soccer team, I was a soccer coach. They would say, I couldn't tell them the score was, I couldn't tell them, what, and I'd bring the girls together. i said, say, look, we're going to win this one. And uh, they're, they're up uh, three, and we're down one, and all this. You know, I, man, I had to win. This idea of reward. Now, what we learn early, though, is that doesn't work in regular life. I got uh, Josiah, Nate's son, yesterday in flag football scored a touchdown. It's really great video, man. It's great. That little guy, uh, running down things, scores a touchdown. He looked so happy when he got... But you know what's weird? He didn't get an NFL contract. Trying wasn't enough. Josiah's not getting to the NFL. See, diligence doesn't matter. Working hard is fine, but it will not work you to a promotion at your work. In and of itself, all of the trying in the world, if you don't do it, we used to have a guy in our squad... Great guy. I mean, nice kind of world. Worked hard all the time. He would be on his computer staying later than the rest of us, but he couldn't close a case. He couldn't close a book, we say. I couldn't. He just never could get it done. So, because of that, he was not rewarded accordingly. You follow me? That's the way this earth is. So now God comes along and God says, If you seek me diligently, if you're after me, I will reward you. He'll reward you in three ways. Here we go. This is it repentance. He'll reward repentance, he'll reward uh, resistance, and he'll reward rest. Let me show you what I mean. He'll reward repentance. We must come to God on his terms, and that is to repent. That is to come to God and say, Lord Jesus, I am seeking you with all of my heart. I'm willing to die to myself and give you full control. Lord of my life, that's what it means. If you look at the whole faith passage here, Hebrews 11, you heard about it last week from from Nate, next week you'll hear more. But this idea of faith is to believe that I am a sinner... And I'm in need of a savior. To confess your sin. To be right with God. To repent. To turn away from the way you're living. And focus on him. So he rewards repentance. He gives us the most important gift of all. And that is he gives you eternal life. It's incredible. Repentance. The second thing he'll reward is he'll reward resistance. James 1. It says that he... Blessed is the man that endures temptation, for when he is tried, he shall receive the crown of life, which the Lord has promised to all them that love him. What is he saying? Here's what he's saying. Every time you make the choice to go to the right thing on the computer and not the wrong thing on the computer, he sees it and he rewards. Every time you decide to shut your mouth and not argue with your wife or your husband, every time he sees your resistance and he rewards it. Every time you live for Christ and you choose not to uh, step into ungodliness. People may give up on us as we don't resist enough. But every time you do resist, the Lord Jesus notes it and will reward you. Thirdly, he will reward rest. What am I talking about? Resistance I can understand. Repentance I can understand. How would he reward rest? Here's why. If I've got one of my grandkids or one of my daughters and, um, and uh, I find them weeping and crying. And I say, why are you weeping and crying? Uh, I don't know if I'm going to have any food tomorrow. I say, wait, I'm standing right here. You think I'm going to let you go hungry? I say, well, I'm going to give you food. Don't, don't worry. I go back. She say, That's not enough. She's crying. She has no rest in her life because she doesn't trust me and doesn't know me enough to have confidence that I would never let my own child go hungry. You see, she is rewarded For the rest she gets from the rest of worry. God wants to see his children not caught up in worry, not just caught up in the natural. Listen, one of the smartest, you know why people are anxious? You know why people are worried? It's because they're smart. The older you get, the more you realize how little you control on this planet. I don't know when I'm going to die. I don't know what disease I'm going to get. I don't know if it's going to happen, a car accident tomorrow. The people I love, I worry about something happening to them. Naturally, why wouldn't I? I can't do anything about it. I can put all the seatbelts I want on my grandkids, but I cannot control every step of their lives, right? This is in the Lord's hands. So we worry. Now you meet Jesus Christ, and Jesus Christ comes along, and he says, I'm going to take care of everything. Like the song we just sang, the canvas and the... um, the, um, uh, the clay, the idea that God is shaping things so that even as bad things happen, I will know I'll be in the loving hands of a loving Savior. This Savior, who I know is not just one who warns, but is also shapes, and He brings me this rest. So He wants His children to be resting from worry. He wants you to stop worrying about what you're doing today because you think you ought to be doing something else. Some are you working regular jobs. And you go into the job and you think, the boy, that missionary, what Cyrus does, man, he's the real thing, and I'm over here as kind of a sub-part of God's great... God is happy with him and unhappy with me. You're doing something, you're taking care of children, you're helping change diapers, you're moving around. I mean, come on. Shouldn't I be over there in the Central African Republic? I mean, that's the kind of people God would love and God would take care of. But you create all this anxiety, all this worry inside of yourself we make ourselves miserable. And yet God is saying to us over and over again, don't you know me? Don't you know that I reward those who just seek me? He doesn't say everything they have to. <clears throat> I love you. I reward those who seek me, whether they're moms or whether they're dads, whether they're workers or whether they're missionaries. The Lord Jesus, knowing him, would know that he is rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Finally, let me just tell you this in closing, and that is that, Many of you have trouble with what I'm talking about today. And here's why. Because you've been waiting on rewards a long time. You've been praying for a marriage to get better. You've been praying that a child would return to faith. You've been praying that your pain would go away, physical pain. You've been praying to get married. You've been praying to have a child. You've been praying for work to get you a better promotion. All the things you want to happen are not happening because you're waiting On reward. Listen to this. Rewards even come to those who wait. One of the promises of God is that he will give reward. What does he do? He says, those who wait on the Lord, God will renew their strength. Brothers and sisters, this is exciting. I want you, even in the waiting where we all are, I want you to know that there is Good coming there is reward coming and even while you wait you are surrounded by reward you say what do you mean my marriage is still messed up let me give you an example let's imagine that uh, we have Christmas morning and uh, one of my grandkids wanted to get a certain gift. Now, when he gets there, uh, Christmas morning, there's there's things. He's got this one named for him, this one named for him, this one named for him. They set aside, rip it open, all these great things. End of the morning, he says, but that isn't what I really wanted. I really wanted this instead of that. Now, you would say, son, come on back over here. What about these other four things you got right here? See, every day you're receiving the rewards of God. Every day, 22,000 times a day you breathe. Every breath from God. When you walk outside and there's a sunny day or a rainy day, either one of them are a blessing of God. It is the hand of God. It is the merciful God. What about the rewards you feel, the calm you feel when you sing worship? What about the, the reward you feel when you read the Scriptures or when you share your faith or when you just live for God at work and you're a godly boss or a godly worker? What about all of the rewards God is giving you all the time? It doesn't mean you don't have to wait for some. I always give it this example. I, I, I have a grandkid who loves like, sports cars, fast cars. He's always looking at different ones. And I would, you know, wouldn't it be great that I could give this kid a car? But not now. I mean, instead of me being a hero, you would say, I'm the worst grandfather ever if you saw me throw him keys to a Camaro now. So you can't give a 10-year-old a Camaro. Brothers and sisters, we're 10 years old, to the rewards of a 16-year-old. That's where we sit a long time. It's six years. He's got to wait before he can drive that car. Brothers and sisters, that's what it is, man. You're in a waiting game, and during this wait, you're still going to reap rewards, and during this wait, even if it doesn't happen until heaven, during this wait, he'll be renewing your strength as you wait. The last thing I'll close with is Revelation 22, verse 12. I want you to get this and I wanted to encourage you, remind you, and hear what Jesus says when he says he's coming. He says, Look, I'm coming soon. And what does he say? My reward is with me. Let's pray. Jesus, we are so excited when we think of the fact that even though we don't deserve it, even though we are not living every way we'd like we are still failing we are still dropping the ball we're still sinning I am I'm certainly not worthy to be preaching a sermon or standing in a church at all but by your grace and but by your reward already Lord I've received so much already I've received what I've learned here today this is all your grace this is reward after reward after reward Lord thank you for that but I pray for brothers and sisters here who are still waiting They're waiting on you to reward their prayer. They're waiting on you to reward their godly conduct. They're waiting on you to reward their parenting that they did. Even though they know it's fallible, they tried everything they could. Lord, there's many waiting on reward. A young person who is saying, I'm going to wait till marriage. I'm going to wait for the right person. But they haven't come yet. Lord Jesus, I pray right now that you will renew the strength of the parent. You'll renew the strength of the waiting spouse. You renew the strength of those that are struggling as they look forward to the reward that will eventually come through your gracious, you will take care of it for them. You will bring them to salvation. You will change their lives. They will be in eternity with you knowing Lord that they can trust you with the lost son or daughter that they can trust you with the lost spouse they can trust you with the difficult marriage knowing that along the way you will renew their strength why don't you just take a second and just bring those things before the Lord that you're waiting on bring it before the Lord Jesus ask him to renew your strength I can't speak to every answer of every prayer. I don't know what he's going to do. I don't know how he works. I don't understand all that. All I know is he'll reward those who diligently seek him. If you're seeking him, you're going to know him. You're going to be in heaven with him. Jesus, thank you so much. Lord, we thank you that when we repent, you reward. That when we resist sin rest in you. You reward us with your peace. In Jesus' name we pray.